Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Hey, good evening. I'm glad that you're here. We're back from spring break. We had a little bit of a break last week. We didn't meet for young adults, but I'm excited to be back with you all. Guys, we're starting a a new series. It'll take us really the next five weeks with a little break for our friend week. But it's really talking about what some of the promises of the world give us and then really what we need to be practicing in, in contrast to that because of what we read in the Bible. And my super fun topic that everybody loves to talk about is gossip. And gossip is one of those things that you're like, if you, if you don't think you do it that much, you're like, it's not a problem. I don't know why we're talking about it. It's not that big of a deal. And if you do it a lot, you're probably like, I like it and I want to keep doing it. So stop talking to me about it. Um, but gossip is something that it, 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 it's multifaceted and we'll get into some of the details in just a little bit. Uh, but I want to start off with a little bit of a story. So we have uh, the High Street Institute here and underneath it are the residency and the internship. And any, any active interns in the house, former interns either? Give it up. Okay. Uh, they are an incredible help to our staff and to our church. They are awesome. Several of the people that were on stage leading worship and a lot of the people that are making this service happen are interns and uh, they have been such a blessing to our staff and to our church. Um, and one of the things that we thought of, Logan and I were talking, we were like, we got to do something that will get like some, some community going between the staff and the interns because you kind of have like like I'm over the city project and young adults and like if I don't have an intern there, I don't always get to cross paths with a lot of the interns. Um, so I was like, what, we got to do something. And we started talking about a staff versus intern basketball game. And so some people are excited. Some people don't know what's ahead for them. So it's going to be interesting. You guys don't know it, but I'm really tall. You guys can't see it from here. But I'm act, you'll see it once you stand next to me. I'm extremely tall. Uh, a lot of people thought I should be playing in the NBA, but I turned those down to do ministry. So it's, it's a long story. I'll tell you that another time. I'm um, just kidding. Never got that. Um, but it's going to be a really exciting thing because, like, me and Logan and Kyle were sitting around talking about, like, okay, like, what's our staff team going to be? And, like, what positions Coco going to play? And, like, wh- is Pastor Eddie going to do the tip-off? Like, what, what's, what, does everybody have to play a minute? Like, what's this going to look like? And after we figured out kind of our team and some, some positions, we were like, okay, now we need to figure out what the competition looks like because that's the most important part. And we're trying to figure out, like, we got some athletes in the house, some people, Lauren Literal's like, I played basketball. Oh, how long did you play? So, um, 16 years. Like, okay, how old are you that you've played for 16 years? Uh, that it makes me a little worried. Um, we got some tall Isaac Slade and Chauncey, some big dudes that were like, okay, we got to figure this out. And we're talking to some of the staff and some of the interns about it. And a bunch of guys keep going, you know, we got a ringer. And everybody's like, well, who, who are you talking about? And they're like, there's this guy that plays at BBC with the boys, and you, you may not suspect it, but it's Casey Wood. And they were like, they were like, he's got a shot, he's got a beautiful shot, he's got this nasty behind the back thing. So we're kind of like going, okay, okay, we'll know that, we'll, we'll keep that in mind. And the next thing that we hear, uh, somebody comes up to me and Logan and they go, so we talked to Casey. And we're like, okay. And they go, he's got some words for you. And he loaded up, okay, <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. And Casey tells some guys, and the phrase I, I, I clarified with him now, he said that Logan and I are going to touch earth in the basketball game. I love that so much. Guys, I don't know that I'm going to be very good in basketball, but I love the talking about it before the basketball. 
the getting excited, the getting hyped about it, talking to people about it. But when I hear that Casey is going around behind my back, telling people I'm going to touch earth, oh, it lights a fire underneath me. Oh, it makes me want to play even harder. Casey, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Tony Kukoc, Michael Jordan, and Scottie Pippen. That's what you got coming for you if you know anything about the last dance, okay? Just know it's coming for you. Now, that is a silly story. Casey really will probably make us touch earth, and we might foul him hard. I don't know what's going to happen. But it's a funny story. Why? Because it was a funny thing about a dumb basketball game that doesn't mean anything that um, we're going to play, and Casey probably will make that happen. But if you've been involved with any amount of gossip before, you know that gossip is not this like fun thing about, like, oh, he's saying what? You're like, they said what? No one wants to be surrounded by people that gossip about them. Because the truth is, is that gossip hurts. And I think that when we look at the Bible, the, the, the plan of God's word is that we would have life and life abundantly and that we would bring unity to the people around us. I think if there's anything that, the, that our culture, that Springfield, that young adults need, it's life and unity. And gossip is one of those things that just undermines so much of what people and Christians are trying to build that we think that we can, man, I'm trying to follow God, I'm trying to do everything above board, trying to do everything that I can, and then we just gossip just a little bit. And we don't know that it hurts that bad. But if you've been on the receiving end of gossip, it doesn't feel good. If you've been on the end of gossip where you were listening to it and you found out that the person who you were gossiping, receiving the gossip about, found out about it, that you know, you're part of the problem. Or maybe, and this, this might just be me, it's probably not anybody else in the room, but if you were the one gossiping and you left that scenario and you went, man, I said what I needed to say, it didn't make anything better. It didn't make anything right. It didn't fix the situation. I don't feel any better about it. So while gossip might not be the most fun thing to talk about, it can be one of the things that just tear us down from the foundation and we'll talk about three things tonight. The feeling of gossip, the fallout of, of gossip, and the fix of gossip. First is the feeling of gossip. The feeling of gossip. Why does it feel so good? Why do we enjoy gossip? In Proverbs 18.8, it said the words of a whisperer, in different translations we'll say a gossiper, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. It feels good. It tastes good. Um, my four-year-old son, Thatcher, we're, we're trying to teach him how to do math and numbers, and, and it's, it's this whole thing because I'm not good at math or numbers, and um, you know, I get one of these like sheets of paper, and I'm outlining the numbers and trying to have him trace them, and, and it's a time. Well, I had this thought the other day that I was like, we, we need something that's going to encourage him and help him count. So I remember when I was a kid, my mom would have like, like line things up, let me count them, you take them away, you count them again, you, you start realizing what numbers are. 
addition, subtraction. And I was like, what better motivator is there than chocolate? So I go into the pantry, into like the little baking thing that we have, and I pull out uh, our chocolate chips. And Thatch was like, I'll do some math now. Like I'm in on math if it has to do with chocolate. So like we're lining up. Okay, you've got six chocolate chips. And then I'm going to write down the number. And I'm like, we have five chocolate chips. Why are we missing some? And he's like, Minus one. Uh, okay, all right, we're, we're getting there on math, okay? Um, but we could sit there and, like, we're, we're doing minus. We got minus down because we're just like, okay, four, minus two, minus one. Like, oh, now we have none left. Okay, this is great. Um, plus is a little bit harder because you have to get more out of the bag and you realize you're eating a lot of them. But, like, we could have downed that whole bag of chocolate chips. And if you have, like, a dessert that you like, you're like, listen, if I had a whole tray of brownies in front of me, if I had a whole carton of ice cream in front of me, if I had Texas sheet cake in front of me, if I had some cupcakes, if I had some nothing but cakes in front of me, I would be all over that. If I had some Andy's ice cream in front of me, I could eat the entire thing, one sitting, no problem. Why? Because it tastes good. Now, we all know that if you ate a whole pan of brownies, if you ate a whole carton of ice cream, you probably wouldn't feel very good, but it feels good. When somebody comes in and says, did you hear? You go, I didn't let me hear. It strokes our pride. It strokes our ego. There's a reason that ESPN has 24-hour coverage of sports. And it's oftentimes, and this is what's so interesting about gossip, it's not always the thing that ruins things. It's the whirlwind around it. Listening to sermons about this, I'm listening to, to seasoned pastors talk, and they say, there were things that happened in my church that should have brought things down, but because there was no gossip, it ended. There's a proverb that says, like a wood without fire will go out, so does gossip without a whisperer. That we have to realize that our gossip strokes our pride enough and helps us feel better so that, for what purpose, what end? Why? Because we have a brokenness inside of us that doesn't see the end. I've been in seasons where I've, I've been frustrated with something, and maybe I'm in the right on something, and I go to someone that's a peer of mine, and I say, hey, did you see this thing? Yeah, I did too. Yeah, that's so annoying. They shouldn't have said that thing. They shouldn't have, or, or maybe you have a little piece of information about a friend that nobody else in your friend group has, and you just kind of walk around, and you, oh, man, it's weird that they were late, and you say one of those little leading phrases with a tone, so they go, yeah, I know. I noticed that too, and you go, well, you know why, because you know why. It feels good. Why? Because we have this pride, this brokenness deep within us because we weren't made to live in this broken world. We weren't made so that things would be broken like this, but it feels good because it strokes a pride in us that things were never intended to be this way. And I think you know where this is leading. There's the, there's the feeling that we get, but then there's the fallout. There's a fallout of gossip. The feeling, if you could just deal with the feeling that you get when you gossip about somebody, you'd gossip all day long. With no repercussions, why would you not say everything about everything that you, you could say? Hey, did you, let me sit down and tell you all the things that I know about all the people. Why? Because we have that deep need, that hole in our hearts that can only be filled by God 
And maybe it's not gossip for you. Maybe this is just something that you go, yeah, maybe I need to work on it. But maybe for you, it's relationship. Maybe for you, it's a feeling. Maybe for you, it's a high. That we're looking to fill that hole in our lives with something because we're looking for meaning and we're looking for purpose and we're looking for something. But really all that gossip does is we look taller when we cut other people down. And there's a fallout to that. There's a consequence for that. What's the result? What's the outcome of gossip? I said it a little bit earlier, but gossip hurts. Gossip harms. I can't look back at a time that I gossiped about someone, listened to someone gossip about someone, or I was gossiped about that went, you know what, that wasn't that bad of an experience. I think I might try to do that again. No, it's all terrible. It's all the worst. When you hear that someone, yeah, they, they, they mentioned that about you. Wait, who, why, why are they talking about that? I just told that one person. It hurts. Maybe there's some family stuff that happened with you. Where the thing that happened maybe wasn't that big of a deal and it was handled in a fine way, but then the whispers got out. Hey, did you know that Jared... Did you hear about that person in his family? Did you hear about what's happening at their church? And you have some hurt and some pain wrapped around it. Gossip erodes relationships and character. We think it's fun to just say a little something but it erodes the relationship of all three parties involved, the listener, the speaker, and the person who's being gossiped about. It's not gonna be the same. It's not one of those things that like, man, as soon as we get over it, it's gonna be a better thing. No, you just hurt someone in a really painful way. It erodes relationship and it erodes character. If you'll say that about behind my back, what will you say about me? I remember a time when I was in high school that I was with a big group of people. And one by one, when somebody would leave, a certain somebody in the group would go, did you see the way he was dressed? And then somebody else would leave and they'd go, oh my word, did you see the way he answered his phone when his mom called? And then somebody else would leave and they'd go, did you see the way he was acting when the food came out? Oh my word. And I'm sitting there just as like a 17-year-old watching this happen and I'm going, what are you going to say about me when I leave? And around that person, I had to go, okay, I'm, I'm going to be careful around you because I don't know that I can trust you. It erodes the character. It erodes the integrity. It erodes the relationship. I did not want to be closer to that person in that moment. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to read it again for me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have probably experienced the death that someone can bring to you or someone that you love by something that was said. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a pile of trash. 
I can remember some of the most painful things that people have said to me, and you have to think through and forgive them in that moment and pray for forgiveness and actively forgive that person, but those words will ring like a bell. In our words, we have great power. And we can either poison the water or we can make it sweeter. It's not neutral. When I'm working through this message, I was highlighted to how many of my conversations I didn't realize were neutral. They were polarized. Or I had the opportunity to look at a bad situation and say, okay, I could speak into the death in this situation or I could speak into the life. Romans 1, 29 through 31 says they were filled, and he's speaking about people that have walked away from the faith and are now operating away from God. And he, sa- he says, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Listen to the words that are used about these people. Unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of, listen to the words again, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. To me, the word gossip is like, okay, was that a misprint? Was that not supposed to be there? Like, what's the deal? You got murderers, idolaters, malice, inventors of evil, And God brings up into the conversation, hey, also, this thing called gossip, I hate it. You can't read through basically a chapter of Proverbs without seeing how we can do great pain with our words. I think we have to sit in that for a second for ourselves, for each of you to know that there's great pain in your words. There's the power of life and there's the power of death. I think about some stories that I know of people that were in part of the fallout of gossip. I think about someone that I know that texted somebody and then the person that they texted screenshotted that message and sent it to him and said, what am I supposed to say to this? What's happening here? Oops. I think about somebody else that I know that was added to a group text where they said, can you believe this person? Oops. It eroded the character and the relationship. No one wants that. No one here would say, man, I I, I walked into church tonight thinking, man, if, if my relationships could just be a little worse, if people could trust me just a little bit less, I think, I think I'd be doing okay. Nobody thinks that. But there's a fix for gossip. There's a fix for gossip. What's God's plan for the way that we speak about each other? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. 
The contrast here is what struck me when I read this earlier this week. Corrupting talk, build people up. Evil words that come out of our mouths, give grace and eradication. Let me tell you, this is not an easy concept. One of my favorite things to do with my boys, I've got a four, a two, and, a, and an eight-month-old, seven-month-old. We'll play blocks. We have some different size blocks we'll play with. And by far, their greatest game is, Dad, you build something, we'll knock it down. And it's fun for like three minutes for me. And then I'm like, bro, you build something. I'm tired of you kicking my tower down and saying you're Godzilla or a gorilla or something. I'm, I'm, I don't want it anymore. It takes so much more work to be someone who is a builder. But when you think about Jesus and what he's done in your life, he's been a builder in your life. He's been someone who spoke the right words to you in the right moment, who gave grace in the right situation. So he's not just saying here, hey, man, you, you got to figure out how to be better. We pull from the well of the one who saved us to be our source of life and our source of strength for our words. The Bible talks about the mouth, the tongue, our words, more than almost anything. If you can't read the book of James and see that all, all, almost all of what it talks about, that to bridle the tongue is one of the hardest things. And it says that a spark starts a great forest fire. You may have been in a situation one time that you saw someone who said something, and as the words came out, they said, shouldn't have said it. And that forest fire started. How can we be a builder and not a breaker of things? In John 13, 35, he kind of gives us a, a game plan of how to be with each other. He says, by this, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, by this, all people. Look at the gravity of this verse. By this, all people will know and have confidence in that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It does not say all people will know that you are my disciples if you just know more than anybody else around you. And you have the right amount of wisdom in your head. It doesn't say by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you know how to win more arguments than the person next to you. By this, they will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The way that you speak about people and Christians specifically, the way that you speak about other believers? Does it give life or does it give death? Does it build someone up or does it tear them down? In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it's the, it's the love chapter of 1 Corinthians. He says, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love endures all things. 
it, it, it's, an, it's a neat ideal to say, okay, I'm just going to love everybody, but what does that practically mean? That word bears, and this is probably the most important thing to me, is a, is a, is a Greek word for covering. The, the, the word picture that they would have used there is a roof. It preserves, it protects. And I think about how we're supposed to be with each other. We're not supposed to bear all things. I mean, you just got to put up with everything about the people around you. It's saying that you're supposed to be a covering for the people around you. So if someone comes up to you and says, hey, did you hear about Jared's? Cover me. Protect me. Protect each other. Be a roof and a preserver of each other. What if we changed the way that we treated each other? So that we were recovering, so that, man, when stuff is raining down, no, I'm going to protect them. I'm going to say, hey, I don't know that that's right. Love bears all things. And I just think about that like it defends in and out of the presence of people. Do you speak about people the same way when you're around them or when you're not around them? Do you speak truth? And this is one of those things that's tough because gossip can be, can be things that are, are stretched reality. It can be a flat out lie. But sometimes we, we can take something that's truth that the world doesn't need to know. And we go, well, you know. Can I fill you in on a little detail? Oh, you don't know, you don't know the story? Well, let me get you. Craig Rochelle says that everything said must be true, but not everything true must be said. And that's the way that we protect each other. We help each other. We cover each other. It bears all things. It believes all things. It believes the best about people. Harmful words are like an iceberg. When you see something, you assume it's 10% of the problem. And 90% is living underneath the surface somewhere. So when somebody comes up and says, man, Jared, did you know that Tyler... Hold, hold on. I know that they're working on things. I'm going to believe the best about them and not let my opinion about them be completely changed because of these words. I'm going to believe the best about them. It hopes all things. To hope all things is not just this kind of big overarching idea to say I hope everything. It is the understanding that another person is loved and is being changed by Jesus just the same as you or I. That we're going to believe the best about someone, and we're going to believe they're a work in progress just like I am. So when somebody comes in and says, man, I got, I got these things I got to say about, about somebody, my roommate, you can match that with, man, I know, I know he's working on it. Changes the conversation. The best is yet to come. Love endures all things. Love is not fleeting. It's in for the long haul. 
The short term says, what can I get out of this conversation now? The long term says, I'm going to look out what's, for what's best for them for the long haul. Is this the way you love? Is this the way that you show your love to someone, behind someone's back? I have three principles as we're, as we're done today. The first principle is to be the break. To be the break. I'm so thankful uh, that cars have brakes because we don't have to stop uphill. We don't have to wait for it to stop naturally. Right? Stop the spread. What if you can be the person? What if it can be known that, man, you come up to something, man, I, I just, I have this thing I got to say about, about, about the, he just, he's not, and you can go, hold on, do I need to know about this? I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm trying to gossip less. Put the weight, a burden on yourself. Hey, I'm trying to, I'm going to be the break. And I think some of this is is a little bit idealistic. You have to be, you have to plan through this. What's your plan? Maybe you have a relationship that all you guys do is get together and talk about your mutual friends. And it's based around gossip. Maybe you need to develop a plan of, hey, if the conversation goes that way, you need to redirect. And then at a certain point, maybe you just need to leave. Maybe you need to have a statement ready that says, hey man, I I know that this is what we normally talk about, but I I have noticed in my life that's all I've been talking, and I need to stop. To have a plan, to have a guardrail, and honestly, to have some accountability. I remember when Andrew Albritton taught to a men's class, and he said that he was, I saw it before then, I saw it in a conversation. He had read Titus 3.2 where it says, to speak evil of no man, and he was talking to somebody, and he goes, well actually, and then he stopped, and he goes, Sorry, and he changed the subject. And I was like, what did I just witness? What's happening here? And he kind of laughed and he goes, I just, I started down a path I shouldn't have gone down. I went, okay, fine. And what he told me later, he goes, I just read Titus 3.2 where it says speak evil of no man. And man, there's so much to the Bible to interpret, but that one's pretty simple. And I watched him, I've, I've seen him do it over and over and over and over. Be the break. Have a plan and have some accountability. Have someone that goes, man, I noticed you started. Let someone in. Tell someone that, hey, I need help with this. Second principle is solve it at the source. Solve it at the source. When we gossip, what we are doing is we have sometimes a legitimate problem, something that's real, something that's true. And the solution for it is You either go to that person or you let it die. There's a proverb that says it's a man's glory to overlook a small offense. Is it something that you can overlook? Is it something that has to be addressed? Matthew 18, if a brother is in sin, go to him. Again, there's a lot to interpret in the Bible, but this one's pretty simple. This is the standard. You go to the person or you forget about it. Or you gossip and you have a problem and I start inviting people into the problem. Why? Because they know the knowledge that I know and they either need to do something about it or forget about it. To solve it at the source. And the last one is to give grace. 
There are gonna be times that someone says something about you because they didn't know you were in the office next door. Someone's gonna bring something to you and it's gonna be hard not to, to Jesus juke and to overstep and go, hey, it's me, it's not, I, I, you keep doing your thing. I want to be in a community of believers where we go, I know you're a work in progress. Can I help be part of your roof? Can I help be part of your covering? Can I help love you in such a tangible way that I'm not gonna talk about you behind your back and if you try to do that to me, I'm gonna say, let's pump the brakes for a minute. I don't need to know that. To give grace to other people. Can you imagine? There are people that are dealing with so much of this fallout of the brokenness of this world. They're looking for a way to prop themselves up to look a little taller by cutting down the knees of the people underneath them. Why wouldn't they do that? If this life is all there is for them, cut down everybody's knees. Chase every dollar. Chase every pleasure. But I've read God's word enough and I've seen enough people that have chased to the end of each of those pursuits and said that there's nothing at the end of that road. And for us, if you've gossiped or been gossiped about, there's a certain amount of, man, it's, it's not a fun sin to, to repent of. But Jesus died for your gossiping just the same amount as he died for any of your other sins. What if you change the culture one conversation at a time? I remember a meeting that I was at with a group of people. We were talking, things didn't get out of hand in my mind, just talking about having fun. And I remember getting a call from somebody afterwards and that was in the group. And that person said, hey, I, I said something about somebody who wasn't there and I shouldn't have done that. And I'm, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I was like, man, his standard for what's okay and what's not is so much higher than mine. Yeah, I'll forgive you. And I realized in that moment that what he was doing was he was repenting. He wasn't telling me that I did anything wrong. But what it did is it opened my eyes to the culture that God wants. Can you be that change? Can you be that life giver in your group of friends, in your family? And if you're here and you'd say, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know, I, I'm in that rat race. I'm trying to just get ahead. I'm trying to just do everything that I can. Can I read a verse for you? Romans 10, 11 says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. When we're outed for the wrong things that we've done, shame is what comes over us. When you have to say, I'm an alcoholic, I'm addicted to porn, I messed up, I did more than I should have, I drank a little bit too much, there's shame. 
But God loves you so much that he saw you in the mess that you were in, that you created for yourself and you inherited both of those. And he said, I don't want that to be the end of the road for them. So that you don't have to try to fill your life up with cutting people's knees down so you look a little bit taller. I think he must increase, I must decrease so that he must increase. Everyone wants to be around a person who serves the people around, who loves the people around them. And that only happens because of the person of Jesus Christ. Do you have that? Do you believe in him? Has your shame been put to rest? Will you bow your head?